0: Once you turn in your Bibles if you would to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, we are going to be um the, the there's several pastors that we've been talking about that we've been getting together. Four of us, there's actually a fifth one that just can't make it to the meetings, Jeff Crawl, but so there's five churches technically, small churches, and as we're getting together, our goal is to be able to plan a number of activities. The goal is to be able to do something that is um that is more effective because we're joining together rather than separate and so this coming wednesday i want you to be praying for us at 4 30 this wednesday Uh, four of us pastors are getting together and remember the ideas that you talked about i guess it was a week and what a week and a half ago um was it that long ago a week and a half ago um, I'm going to take those ideas and I'm going to bring them to the table and us four pastors are going to be talking and praying and really seeking God what he would have us do with regard to an outreach. Uh, there's a number of factors that play into this, not the least of which is weather. If we're going to do something outside, but praise God for Florida weather, because it can be rather warm, but on the other hand, it can surprise us and be cold. So we, we want wisdom in this as far as the type of outreach we do, uh, as we move into the winter. Uh, joint services. We're looking at that, but let's continue to pray with regard to these churches as we're getting together and doing things uh, it, just in, in seeking to be unified uh, in Jesus' name. All right. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. I know at our Thanksgiving, we usually sit around the table and we, we, we just say, hey, what have we been thankful for? I'm going to encourage you as Thanksgiving is approaching, let's, let's have hearts that are constantly filled with thanksgiving gratitude because i'm going to tell you this that if your heart's not filled with gratitude it's going to be filled with discouragement it's going to be filled with negativity and i'm going to talk about that just a little bit this morning uh at least a, a little bit but let's be people who constantly look to him and constantly are grateful to our heavenly father because of all that he has done all right So Ephesians chapter three, I want to share just a a quick story. How many of you have ever watched the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Anybody? A few hands, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Um, Maybe not my particularly favorite TV show. Uh, One of my daughters kind of brought our family into it after, I don't know, maybe three seasons. And so we would just kind of sit down on a Saturday night and watch it together with some friends and, and just enjoy it. But one thing that I want to just focus in on was that in this, you might remember that, that Hydra, you know, the bad guys, infiltrated into S.H.I.E.L.D., and some of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents were aware of this, but the world, for the most part, was not. And it, it caused the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to respond to situations in a way in which as the world looked on, it was like, what are you doing? What's going on here? And I've got a reason for sharing this with you, because I want to tell you this perspective in our life is so critical that God constantly calls us to have his perspective on things. And when we fail to have his perspective, there's only one other option. We have the world's perspective or we have the enemy's perspective. We have the perspective that's not grounded in truth, and when that happens, I'm going to tell you what, when you're going through struggles, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to kind of be wondering, God, what is going on? Are you a fair God? Now, last week, we looked at this idea of the drama of grace. That sounds a little bit strange, the drama of grace, but I want us to understand, I want us to see something. In Ephesians 3.10, something absolutely a cool, amazing, is is seen in that verse. It says, referring to God, it says, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what that tells us And I'm sharing this with you as review, but a springboard into what I want to share with you this morning from God's word. What this tells us is that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, rescued each of you who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And he's rescued you from your sins. He's redeemed you by his blood. You are the church and he has taken his church And he has, if you will, created a stage called earth or the world. And we are walking through this drama of grace that constantly speaks of God's wisdom. As life events unfold in a broken world and we go through struggles and hardships and we even as a church step back and wonder, God, I don't understand this we have the privilege of being able to shine and be a part of this drama of grace in which as we go through these struggles, what happens? Many Sometimes we look to ourselves for strength, for wisdom, for understanding. But usually what happens when God's church goes through struggles, it looks to him and it relies upon him. And as we do that, God then pours out his grace. So that many times, church, is this not true, that you find yourselves backing up against a wall, so to speak, saying, God, I, I don't get this. I, 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 I cannot do anything right now. I feel so helpless. And everything that I try just seems to fall apart. God, I don't understand. I thought you were in this. I even thought you were on my side. But in this struggle and in our questions, he eventually brings us to this place where where we're broken, where we're just saying, God, I'm at the end of myself, and I must rely on you. Because God pours out his grace upon the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And as we look to him and rely on him, he pours out that grace in time of need. And see, we as his church, when that happens, we're able to, God is able to display his wisdom And be able to pour out his grace and meet these needs. And here's the interesting thing. It says his intent was that now through the church, his manifold wisdom would be made known to who? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, the rulers and the the heavenly realms, that's a phrase used five times in Ephesians, it depicts, in essence, the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, in the heavenlies or the heavenly places, we discover that's where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That is where the angels are gathered to worship around his throne. But it's also, according to Ephesians 6, he says the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil. Where? In the heavenlies or in the heavenly realms, so this is a place where both angels, God Himself, those gathered around His throne, heaven's throne room, and the demonic realm are watching what God is doing on Earth through His Church, through your life. I want us to see this because God's intention, as I, as we described last week, is not like an earthly father's. In some ways, it is, of course. But in some ways, it is not. I share with you that when my kids were young, my goal as a dad was to take this completely dependent baby, and we get pictures, by the way, of my granddaughter, Hope, uh, Jimmy's and Lydia's baby, like, several times a week, and just dressed up so cute, and our hearts melt, and she is so adorable, but she is so completely and utterly dependent upon her mom and dad. So my goal as an earthly dad was to take this completely dependent baby, this child, in which I've got to change their poopy diapers. Of course, my wife would help with that, of course. Um, Sometimes feed her, bathe them, brush their teeth. All of the completely dependent upon me or my wife to be able to do these things. My goal was to make them independent. Because I knew one day they may get married, they may have children, They're going to be having a job. They're going to be living on their own, whatever they need to be. They're having this relationship with God and seeking to do life in a way that honors him. And and how unloving it would be, actually, for me to provide for their needs up until the day I die. That's not my goal. And if I did that, I would actually say, that's an unloving thing for an earthly father to do. He is making that child dependent upon him, and his goal is not that. Now, it's not like if they go through struggles, we'll see what we can do to help. I'm not saying that. But what is God's goal as my heavenly father? You see, he took this young man at age 14, praise God, I was I was young, age 14, independent of God, a rebel in my heart, and what was his goal? To make me completely dependent upon him. See, with that different goal, how how is God going to accomplish the goal in which his children are completely dependent upon him? It is to allow them to go through these struggles, this drama of grace, if you will, to be able to show off his wisdom in which all of heaven and hell looks on and says, whoa, that is amazingly wise as God pours out his grace in our constant struggle in this life, in this broken, fallen world that impacts every single one of us. You cannot avoid it, church. But because of this, Paul, he says, in my weakness, your, your strength is made perfect. Your, your grace is sufficient. See, that's God's intention as Paul himself Goes through, all, look at 2 Corinthians 11. It's a laundry list of struggles that he went through seeking to follow after Christ. And in those weaknesses, he constantly had to look to Jesus. All the time, constantly. This is the Apostle Paul, a mature man of God. And he was more dependent upon Jesus Christ, I would say, than I am today. And, and it, it, it stirs something up. God, teach me and help me to constantly rely upon you. See, that's God's goal. That's how God displays his amazing wisdom in his church, his intent with it now through you, his church. The manifold wisdom, the multifaceted wisdom of God would be made known like a stage in which God is constantly allowing struggles in this fallen world and his grace to be poured out to create a people who are completely dependent upon him. And I told you, if you can look through Revelation, in in the 144,000, the people gathered in Revelation 15, they sing a song that only they know. And it is a song of their redemption. It is very personal. It says only they know it. And I'm going to tell you, Throughout all of eternity, this drama of grace that's being played out, if you will, God, obviously, he is sovereign, and that's why his wisdom is magnified. But as it's played out, that's what I am going to be talking about. That's what I'm going to be singing about through all of eternity, church. God's amazing grace that he accomplished through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, that was a long review, I realized. I want to show you a passage in Acts chapter. Acts chapter fourteen. Paul is encouraging the elders, the church, and he is trying. He's giving them a nugget of truth, and Luke. I'm sure Paul shared so much, but Luke boils it down to one sentence. I'm sure when Paul was going through Lystra and Iconium and Derby, he shared much with them and eventually turned the ministry, the churches, all those local churches over to the elders. This is what he says. This is what Luke chooses to focus on. In verse 22, he says this. They they were strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. He says this, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, please understand, he's not saying that you've got to go through these hardships if you want to get to heaven. He's not saying that. Let let me word it a slightly different way. that will be maybe a little bit more in line with the intentions of the Greek. It says, it benefits us to enter the kingdom of God by going through many hardships. You see, it benefits you to go through these hardships. Yeah, we hate them, church. We do. How many of you went through a really hard struggle this past week and you loved every minute of it? I'm not seeing any hands. Where are you, church? You didn't love it? No. Some of you, you experienced pain, physical pain every day. I don't know what that's like. I experience pain every now and then. I've got a bad shoulder. Then I'm trying to do what I can to get back into proper working condition. Praise God, when I get to heaven, it's going to be like perfect. I'm looking forward to that. And I've got a back and my knees and my ankles. I'll stop right there. But the truth is, we go, we go through pain. Struggles in relationships. We wonder, you know, when is my spouse going to get their act together? Okay? Then these problems will all go away. Newsflash. Maybe the problem's a little bit bigger than your spouse, and it might, you know, maybe it includes you. Thought, wow. The truth is, we go through struggles, and it's hard. But God, if we are willing, and if we are obedient, and looking to him in these struggles, in his kingdom, God is pouring out his grace. You see, this this is his eternal purpose. You want to sum life up in in just a concept? It is this drama of grace in which Jesus Christ, with full intention, came to die on the cross. Why? To rescue every single one of you. Those who would believe in him to experience this amazing relationship with him. So that as we go through life and bumps and bruises and struggles and crises that really hurt, we look to him and we find amazing strength in our weakness. Each of you have a testimony. If you follow Jesus, you have a testimony. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just a salvation testimony. God wants to bring testimonies in your life about all of his goodness and his grace that he poured out in those critical moments in your life in which it felt so dark. And yet as you look to Jesus, Sharon went through some really hard years. And this past year, she experienced this amazing grace of God as she had just been broken and looked to him and he's healing her and and doing amazing. See, That's God's grace. But he's doing this in your lives every day. So here's my question as we move on to the the message today. Again, that was a long review because that is so crucial to understanding the family of God. With God as our heavenly father allowing us to go through struggles like this. He is an earthly dad. I, I wouldn't want that. But see, my goal different than God's. And his goal is different for you, okay, than, than an earthly dad. So here's my question. How does God... Pour out his grace in your life. How does he do that? What does it look like? And so I want to talk about just one aspect of that today, how God works through brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? So to do that, well, actually, there was one more verse uh, that I wanted to share with you. Just, uh, I love this verse in Habakkuk 3. Let this passage minister to you because these were Jews and God was saying that he was going to be bringing the Babylonians against them. And in this struggle, he was wanting to accomplish something that the bulk of which was for Israel to simply repent and Habakkuk's wrestling with this, and he's thinking, God, why would you allow such an unrighteous people to be your tools to discipline us? With the long-term range that the Jews, after 70 years, would repent and now have this amazing relationship with their Heavenly Father. And, and it, felt, it just felt unjust to Habakkuk, and, and the first two chapters are kind of laying this out. And now Habakkuk, in these last several verses, he's kind of stepping back, and he's saying, okay, in all of these struggles and in these hardships and in God's disciplining of us, and I don't want you to see every hard time in your life as God disciplining you, because that's just not true, unless you view discipline as like training, in which there's an athlete and he trains, okay? Okay. And, and Hebrews 11 calls that, or, or 12 calls that discipline. But anything we just think of discipline as you did wrong, and now I've got to discipline you. That's not why God takes us through hardships all the time. There are many other reasons, okay? So here's Habakkuk. I'm going to read this verse to you, these several verses. He says this, I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. He's going through this difficulty, this hardship, and it's so hard. It is so painful. He says, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. God was going to bring discipline to them, but that was going to be down the road. Now listen to this, verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud. And there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there is no are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. They're destitute. Wow. They've been pillaged, church. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord in my strength the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to go on the heights. So that's our goal. That's that's my goal this morning. I want to tell you, how can you, in the midst of hardship, even tragedy, go on the heights? And I'm going to tell you, God wants to do that through your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This is a passage, honestly, that I use a lot in marriage counseling, but honestly, in a lot of different types of counseling. It has to do with our words. It's a passage that I had my kids memorize when they were young, because I believe this is such an important passage. I'm gonna, I want to focus on something in that passage that maybe you haven't seen before, maybe you have, but as we focus on it, I want us to see this amazing work that God is wanting to do through you. Are you ready? Ready? So Ephesians four, twenty-nine. it says, do not let any unwholesome talk, not, not one unwholesome word, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only, and church, can you just underline or highlight that word only, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, Now, the NIV words it this way to benefit those who listen. And I'm going to have to say that's a fair way of translating this, but literally in the Greek is to give grace to those who listen. Do you see? He is wanting you, through your words, to to be agents of his grace. You know, I talked about agents of shield. God is calling every single one of you to be agents of his grace. For you to live your life on purpose, with a purpose of being that instrument or agent of God's grace to those in need around you. See, that is our purpose as brothers and sisters in Christ. To the degree to which people allow us, we are in their lives. And I'm going to just tell you that America, we, we, we've got our six-foot privacy fences. We are very private people. And I, I think we should respect that, but can I just encourage you that God is not calling you to be that person who goes around life with six-foot privacy fences keeping people out. Okay, if you've got a pool, I understand that. That's not what I mean by this. We want to keep people out so little ones don't fall in the pools. Okay, but we often keep people out. We're keeping them at a distance. And God is saying, that's not what my body is about. Read the book of Acts. Start right there, very beginning. Chapter 2 especially, they are together constantly in each other's lives, practicing hospitality, having people into their homes, the privacy of their homes. And that's where we let our hair down. That's where people see our needs. That's how we get to know each other. And that's how we can, number one, be agents of grace with our words. With our words. You want to know what your purpose in life is? I'm not saying you shouldn't look at your spiritual gifts, though. We're going to talk about that in a moment. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, they've got all of these different things, you know, assess what your passions are and your personality and your life experiences. I'm not against that. But I'm going to tell you this. Too often when we think about what is my purpose, what, how do you want to use me in this life, God, we think so narrowly. I want to be a youth pastor. Okay, great. But I'm going to tell you what, you're probably going to minister more, not as a youth pastor, but in so many ways outside of being a youth pastor. You're going to minister to your parents when they get old, okay? As I'm getting, I'm just going to say it one more time, Juliana. when we're getting, the truth though is, and and Rose here, they've already said, hey, mom and dad, when you get old, we'll take you in. My wife's excited. I'm like, wait a second. But the truth is, as we do life together, we're agents of his grace by what we say. Our words impart God's grace, or rather, let me put it this way, God speaks through you words of wisdom and truth to pour his grace through you. Wouldn't you want to be a part of that dynamic? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that eternal purpose? Because it's God's eternal purpose to demonstrate his grace, right? And you're a part of that when people go through struggles and hard times and sometimes you don't even know it but as we get to know one another usually we do we speak words that bring life okay i want you to see in proverbs 15:4 it says the tongue brings healing excuse me the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Our words, it says elsewhere in Proverbs, bring either life or death. When we, as Paul's pointing out in Ephesians 4.29, I read to you, through our unwholesome talk, especially between husband and wife, but in the family and in the context of relationships, if we're not careful, we speak words that are unwholesome, now, I'm not, he, he's not saying just simply, hey, don't cuss. Cussing is generally not going to be building people up. Expand your va- vocabulary. I'm surprised by how many intelligent people cuss. Well, there's so many other things that you could say that would actually improve the situation rather than using a curse word. And I'm thinking, I know you're more intelligent. I know your vocabulary is big <laughs> enough. Come on, use it. The truth, though, is we allow any kind of talk that brings negativity that Proverbs says actually can bring death because it doesn't build us up in the faith. If anything, sometimes it just robs us of faith. You're so stupid. Have you ever heard someone tell you that? Most of us have. Did you just walk away and say, man, thank you. That really made my day. No, I doubt it. And it it tried to rob you of faith. You know what? There are times in which I'm stupid. I'll admit that. I, I, I look back and I just think, why on earth did I make that decision? Why did I think that way? That was stupid. Well, I, I try not to use that word stupid because, you know, in our family, that's just not in our vocabulary. It's just a derogatory term. But why did I do that, God? And... God is able to minister life through someone else. And he wants to use you to speak those words of life. God wants to bring encouragement through you. 2 Corinthians 11, I want you to turn there. We're going through a number of verses this morning rather than just one main verse like we usually do, but several verses. And in this particular passage... Paul says in verse 3, praise be to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Oh, that uses the word comfort a lot. And that is what God is wanting you to do. Now, this coming Wednesday... The word that we're going to be sharing, that we're looking up a scripture passage, is this word comfort, but also it's the word encouragement. So it's two words, okay? Hope that doesn't overload you, but look for a passage of scripture that speaks to this idea of comfort. If you want to use this one, I guess you can, but find a scripture passage that talks about comfort or encouragement and bring it this Wednesday, and I want you to share what is the Spirit of God spoken to you about that about comfort, or about encouragement. This past Wednesday, we had a great time as people shared. So many people shared uh, what those verses meant, but then life experiences and what God was doing to build in them this idea of patience. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. And I was so glad that uh, our friend Jim, uh, Martha's husband, came. And I believe that I went and picked him up and dropped him off. And He said he really enjoys being here. Jim does not know the Lord, by the way. But when he gets together with the body of Christ, God ministers grace to him, ministers truth to him. I want you to think about that. God wants to use you, and you may never know about it, to impact this man. But he also wants to use you to impact one another. I remember... My brother Ken, I guess it was two years ago. So he was 68. God did something in his life. It was something that our entire family had been praying for him. And not just for him, but his wife Marty. And and we continue to pray for Marty. But I I, I just when I would call him, I would just think, God, what can I say? What can I do? How can I help my brother Ken? who grew up in a Christian home and completely strayed from it. And this is part of his testimony. So yeah, he totally strayed from it. He got off into Eastern mysticism, and God God had to speak truth again into his life, but his heart had to be ready for it. I remember asking him, I said, Ken, if you would like to talk about why i think jesus christ is the only way truth and life and why i believe that the gospels are reliable and speak so accurately of him i would love to be able to do that with you and i and i was really hoping to be able to get into a discussion a very friendly truth session about jesus christ but he said you know what mike I've got my opinion, and I'm sure you have yours, and and you probably, you may know more about this than me, but you know what, I just don't think that that conversation would go really well. And I was disappointed. I kept praying for him, but it was hard, because I wanted to do something. My sister, however, as she's praying for him, ends up having these spot conversations with him. And God begins to speak to my brother Ken's heart. He's 68 years of age, okay? He left home, I think, when he was 18. And he had just been a rebel from the get-go. And then in the last 10 of those or more of those years, 15 of those years, he lost his 21-year-old son, broke his heart to pieces. And he turned to Eastern mysticism to find some sort of help or wisdom. And now my sister, God's using my sister, and he he is speaking through her words of life. And he finally tells her, he says, sis, I got to meet with you. And she's thinking, okay, great. He's going to let me have it. I overstepped the line. And he says this, Jenny, God has done something in my heart. And I'm right now, I'm just trying to understand it. But he's calling me back to the God of my father and my mom. And my, so my he invited my sister and they just continued to talk about Jesus. And God totally changed my brother. Totally changed him. 68 years of age. Don't ever think that your words try to encourage or guide someone as old as they are, that your efforts are wasted in any way they are not. You are an agent of grace that God is going to speak through. Turn with me now to Romans chapter 12 if you don't believe me. Scripture, uh, you know, excuse me one second. I, I, I'm, I'm, I meant to, to mention something here. Um, yeah, I, w- I want to mention this. Hang on. If you were to go down to a little bit further in this chapter, Paul gets really personal. And he says this in verse eight. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffer in the suffered in the province of Asia. See, he was in Asia. I'm not talking about the Far East. I'm talking about Asia Minor, okay? Asia was a province in Asia Minor, which is pretty much be present-day Turkey. So Asia is a province there. Ephesus would be its main city, a hub of trade. All roads led through Ephesus with regard to Asia. And Paul was there for three years, he says, preaching the gospel. So much of people were going through, he said, everyone in Asia heard the gospel. That's how strategic Ephesus was. But something happened in Acts 19 in which there's a riot, and he's he's ready to lose his life. God does something pretty cool, but he's ready to lose his life. And everybody on his apostolic team could potentially die. And this is what he he then says. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. You read that right. He says, far beyond our ability to endure. We ask the question, does God ever allow me to go through things that I can't handle. I'm going to tell you. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He allows you to go through things that are above your pay grade, beyond your ability to handle. Why would he do that? Uh, as an earthly dad, I wouldn't. I would say, "Hey, sweetie, you know, let me let me take you." They're they're trying to bring maybe a heavy suitcase down. The, the stairs and if they try it, I know they're just going to fall on top of them. they're gonna break a leg, break their neck. who knows? Let me take that off. I, I got this. But see, God regularly allows each of us like Paul, to go into situations that we are so pressed in about. It is beyond our ability to deal with. Let me go on. He says, so that we even despaired of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. But on who, church? Help me out. On God, who raises the dead. See, the God that raises the dead, that is the ultimate miracle to bring someone who is dead back to life. Science can't do that. People cannot do that. Praise God for science. Praise God for medicines, etc. But man cannot bring people back from the dead. But God can. And with that power, in this drama of grace that Paul is involved in here, pressed in so hard he's despairing of life, God now steps in. And with his resurrection power delivers them, so to speak, from death, the sentence of death. Let me go on here. He says this, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. That's a declaration of faith. He will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. I want to tell you this if you've been praying for someone for years and years and years do not give up regardless of what you see do not give up because it is through your prayers that god here's the second thing through our words now through our prayers god will pour out his grace in people's lives in their situations even when they're despairing of life itself and he will deliver them. So here's Paul. He is hauled in front of a mob in an amphitheater, and they're ready to kill him. Because as he's proclaiming Christ, people are leaving their idols behind and turning to Jesus. They were even leaving their occultic practices, all of their books of incantations that... Luke tells us, came to about $2 million. That is a huge trade. The people in the city had been selling these things. Idols and occultic material. And they came and they burned it all, it says. So many people had been delivered from this dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light in which Jesus is the king, that those who were uh, of the business of making these idols and these in- books of incantations, the occult, because of the goddess Artemis was, and the temple there, it was so huge and central in Ephesus that they wanted to get rid of these Christians paul and all of the people they wanted to kill him so they haul him into the amphitheater and they're ready to take his life and he cries out to god and he says to the corinthians you prayed for us you prayed for us and god acted through your prayers and he poured out his grace he helped us it says never ever think that your prayers do not matter They absolutely do. I realize that my time is almost out, and I want us to now turn to Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, just one other thing. Again, I'm not being exhaustive with this, but I want you to see three different ways through your words, through prayers, and now through spiritual gifts. God wants to pour his grace through you in this drama of grace. In people's distress, in their struggles, he wants to pour his grace through you. So that we don't just sit back and just say, okay, you know, they're going through hard times. God's going to come to their rescue because if you're an agent of his grace, he's going to use you. Don't be surprised by this. Pray for it. God, how do you want to use me in this person's life, in their situation? And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, I got to turn there first, I suppose. But in chapter 12, verse 6, he says this. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. The charisma is the word used here. The charisma. Charisma is the word grace. If we were to literally translate this, it wouldn't be spiritual gifts. So that's a fine way to translate it. You would probably, tra- and I like this quite a bit, that you would probably translate it graceless. Only because that so focuses on the very fact that it comes from the Spirit of God working through us. What? God's grace empowering us, working, speaking, serving through us to one another. We are dispensers or agents of God's grace through these gracelets, these spiritual gifts. So if a man's gift is prophecy... Let him use it in proportion to his faith, by grace, through faith. What God does, what man's responsibility is. And we are seeking by his grace to be used. I I can't tell you the number of times in which God used someone's spiritual gift to so encourage me. Times, honestly, in which I was in tears and I just said, God, I don't understand this. And God used someone. It was... On on several occasions, we've gone through financial struggles. Business not doing well, etc. And God used people like my parents, others, people in the body of Christ. And when they gave, what blew me out of the water is not just that they gave, but the exact amount that they gave, the exact amount, so that when we're looking at bills and our financial need. It came to this amount, and you remember the story. I'm sitting there and I'm crying honestly because my daughter Jenny Rose, when she was younger, just said, "Hey God, hey Dad, how did how did God meet our needs this month?" And I had to tell her, "Sweetie, I don't know because He still hasn't, but I know He's going to." And I go to the mail. That's all my as I open this letter from my mom and dad a check for the exact amount that we needed for that month was right there. And God has done this in our lives. God has given some of you the gift, the spiritual gift of generosity. And he's calling you to be sensitive, to hear his voice as a child of God as best you can to know how and when and what. Because generosity isn't just with money, it's with just things that he has blessed us with, okay? Some of you have been given the gift of prophecy. God says, He says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit. Church, how long is Jesus pouring out his spirit on all people? How long? From Pentecost until when? At the end of the first century? Through at, until Jesus comes back. And he says, in these last days, he is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And old men, young men, maidservants, servants, gifts of prophecy, dreams, visions, all of these things are a part of spiritual gifts. There's even the gift of teaching. And I'm going to tell you, if you have been gifted with teaching, you have the talent, if you will, of teaching, be careful because that is not necessarily the spiritual gift of teaching. As a matter of fact, if you have a natural ability to teach, you have to be of utmost, you have to take utmost care because it's going to be really easy for you to rely on your natural ability to teach rather than the spiritual gifting of teaching. And there's a difference. And, 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 and in all honesty, you're only going to know that difference when God pours His grace through you and actually ministers to someone, and you step back and you think, "Wow, God!" thank you look what you did in this person's life because that gifting is empowered by the spirit not you not Mike Curtis by his spirit and we've all been recipients of these spiritual gifts just the other day and Mickey Lana shared with you something that God had just something God had laid on her heart done to her a number of things that you heard and I heard her as she was it was right after a prayer night this past week. And she said, Meredith, I want to share something with you. And so, because Meredith was on the pr- uh, prayer call, I was doing stuff in the kitchen, and I just stopped and I listened to what Mickey Luna shared. And it's so ministered to me. Because I have a daughter that's just wanting to stray. And I'm like, God, no. Call her back. Call her back. She used to sing that first song that we did. And... How profound and actually prophetic that God spoke to Mickey Lana what he did. And as he's sharing it with my wife and I, it's like Lord, I'm gonna be praying for my daughter and I will never, by your grace, give up. I want to be an agent of grace. I'm gonna be spending some time with her this afternoon. And I'm just I just yesterday too, I'm just saying, okay, God, when I'm spending time with my daughter how can I be an agent of your grace, God? How can I in some way? It, 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 I'm, I'm not going to sit down and preach to her. But I want to say something of truth. I want to call her so gently and graciously to Jesus. And I just want to encourage you guys. You have been given a supernatural or supernatural gifts in the plural. How is God going to use you as an agent of his grace? to awaken someone, to call astray back to Jesus Christ, to speak to someone who's going through, like Paul, we despaired even of life itself. And yet through their prayers, maybe through words of encouragement, God spoke to them, and they were ignited in their faith. And they were even Paul himself, a mighty man of faith, stood up and said, devil, not anymore. And he was he, God delivered them. He pressed in. God actually rescued him from that amphitheater in a miraculous way, through an unbeliever even. And they were encouraged by the church and then they were sent off. This is what we are called to, guys. In this drama of grace, every single one of you plays a part that God wants to speak through, pray through, minister through, serve through to touch each other's lives in our moments of difficulty and struggle and questions sometimes and doubts and hurts to be able to point us back to Jesus. To display his multifaceted wisdom throughout all of heaven and hell. I want to close in prayer. And I'm just asking, let God stir something up in your heart that this coming week it's You're not going to give up. God, show me. How can you use me today? How can you use me? What words can I say? What can I do? How can I serve to be able to be this dispenser of your grace? Because it's not going to be me. You're going to do it through me. God, how can you do that? So could you just stand with me? And if we could just maybe have the lights. And and let the Spirit of God just minister to your hearts right now. Would you allow him to do that? This is good. This is good. Heavenly Father, some of us, we are at that crucial point. We feel like Paul pressed in about. We can feel like we're despairing of life. You have an eternal purpose. You have people that you're going to speak through and work through. God, I want to be one of those agents of grace. And it may not be through speaking. It might just simply be through serving. You gave me an opportunity just this past week in a crisis to, to serve a family. And it was hard for him. It was scary for him. I didn't speak. I just did something. And I served. Father, I just pray, let the cry, use me, God. Use me, God. Rise up in our hearts. And I pray that you would respond from heaven, God. And that you would pour your grace through us. However you choose. But would you use us, God, today, this week, to help someone who's hurting. To help someone who just needs to be reminded of a truth. Maybe someone in their midst of pain that we can show Jesus' love to them by taking time out and serving. However you choose, God, use us, please. You are working out your eternal purposes here on earth through your church. I want to be a part of that, God. We all want to be a part of that. Help us, Lord. Spirit of God, we look to you. Could you work through us and speak through us? Please, God. And this morning, Lord, I'm just asking also that if there's anyone who's in that time of crisis, deep hurt, discouragement, maybe listening to some of the lies of the enemy, call them back to truth. Call them back to Jesus. Call them back to your word. I ask you Father make us strong in you thank you Father we look to you alone God you are source for everything Lord you're so loving amazing so good so very good We commit our hearts and lives to you today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.